0: It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories.
1: Welcome to this Monday afternoon's broadcast of The Kingdom and Its Stories. We're delighted to have you with us today, and we have two very special guests uh, with us today, Ellie and Clayton Oliveira, who are uh, have been Harvest staff members for more than 10 years and uh, and Ellie is the global coordinator uh, for our Samaritan strategy uh, activities all around the world and we're delighted to have them with us. And my co-host Julian Gibb is with, with me today as well. And, um, and today we're going to be learning how harvest and some of the harvest activities, particularly in the Samaritan strategy are being used to challenge God's people all over the world to be Jesus' hands and feet, um, not only to proclaim His great love, but to demonstrate His great love. So, um, Clayton and Ellie, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. Thank so, you for having me. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your um, about your your ministry in Brazil and what led you to Harvest.
2: Well. I'm Clayton Oliveira, I'm in Harvard's staff serving in Brazil, and with ethnic communities of Hispanic and Brazilian in the United States.
1: Okay, so um, you, you, you're a pastor, Clayton, you used to be a professor at the university, and teaching in the area of business, business administration? Yes. Yeah, and... Uh, what in the world led you from business administration to pastoring?
3: <laughs> it was an interesting experience because actually the call was there for many years. And then we read a set of books called Perspectives on Mission, World mm. Mission. And those books changed our lives. We started to contact a seminary that was mentioning those books, Fuller Theological Seminary. And um uh, we received a visit from one of their professors in our hometown Curitiba in the south of Brazil, and that pastor said, "Hmm, if this is God's calling, you better start praying about it." Well, we prayed, we wrote to the seminary, and the answer came to us in Portuguese. Because really, the I'm the dean of the School of World Mission, was a former missionary from Brazil, and then we are accepted, and that was the turning point from being a Professor for Clayton and uh, I'm a dentist i'm a doctor in dental surgery and uh, and that changed our life totally
2: Wow Though with the message in Portuguese, I started to feel comfortable to come okay. to-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember when you when you first came English was a challenge for you absolutely yeah,
4: yeah but
1: you've, you've become quite fluent now,
4: Julian. Uh, so, so, guys, you know, you, you're once a professor, once a, a dental surgeon, uh, both very good, professional, pillars of society, you know, probably bringing in uh, a reasonable amount of money to live on. You know, you had the dream. Why give it up?
3: Actually, we didn't give up. God mm-hmm. is the one who has called, who has equipped, and he has used each skill that we had since that training to do mission work. So all mission work since those days when we were in a classroom, when we are in our praxis, practicing dental surgery, and still today the same excellence of work serving the same God.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that, that, you know, people think about giving up. Okay, well, I gave up my... My work as a dental surgeon, I gave my, up my work as a, as, a pass, uh, as a professor. And you both have said, we didn't give up anything. We gained as, uh, as we began to follow God's call.
4: Amen.
2: And so. at that time, Bob, I remember the person that helped us and encouraged us to do this transition between one area to another area, helped us with the idea that God is in control of everything. And he's the one who manage economy, principles, values, places, and we feel so encouraged to do that. And I remember my first class at Fuller, we start learning about bridges of love.
1: About a bridge of love.
2: Bridge of love, and that yes. that kind of principles help us to to understand how easy could be.
3: <laughs> and we are. Bridges of love until today.
1: Okay, amen, amen. That's another way of talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Because as our hands and feet become His, we become bridges of love for people who don't know the Lord to come closer to Him. Ellie, uh, tell us about this uh, harvest version of the Samaritan strategy. Um, and And tell us where in the world um, Harvest is acting? How many staff do we have, Um, uh, et cetera? Go ahead.
3: Yes, it's fascinating to see how the Lord has worked at Harvest. And with all these many fields that we have, we have 67 workers in 21 countries. And we already coordinated over 140 Samaritan strategy projects. Now we are currently in a transition from in-person only to in-person plus online activities. This is our new reality Mm. after the pandemic. But listen, these are not just numbers. Actually, they represent hundreds of answered prayers. They also show how people, their cultures, and their nations have been discipled. Even during the pandemic, the harvest workers have been active and fruitful for example in in India Anita and Julius have provided counseling about stress management for people who were afraid of being infected by COVID and those who received the positive results for their tests in Rwanda and in Liberia they held classes about prevention of COVID uh, using face masks keeping social distance and washing their hands in Brazil Leo and Rebecca, distribute preventive kids for street vendors. They included a facial mask, sanitizer, hygiene mm-hmm. items, and a mm-hmm. little booklet with a message from the scriptures, and bless people who earn the daily food with commerce on the streets.
1: So it's not it's not just one kind of thing. It's an adapted response to the conditions that people are living in and knowing how do we express the Lord's love in the conditions that we find ourselves, and the stories you've just told are stories of how some of our people have been responding in this current context of the COVID COVID pandemic,
3: which makes it really fascinating. What we call the adventure of living out their faith.
1: Amen. Amen. So, um, what are what are some of the um, the challenges that? Um, that Harvest is facing right now in terms of moving from face-to-face training, which has been the strategy for many years, now not being able to meet face-to-face? What are are some of the challenges?
3: There are some challenges because, first, some people don't believe uh, on Internet communication. However, it's interesting that... um, Radio, in radio, internet radio is blooming. So mm-hmm. even in remote areas of Africa, people are able to connect and to listen to the message. We think that this would be our next mission frontier, be present in social media, media and be able to connect with people using these tools. So some challenges would be internet connection, would be access to electronic devices. But in the core of all this is making themselves available, learn new things, and there to be exposed to this new mission frontiers right where we are right now, speaking on the radio and having this fascinating experience of spreading the good news of the gospel.
1: How do... How does... um, What is the spectrum on the staff... Who many have never spoken on the radio? Many have never, you know, done Zoom uh, meetings before. What's the spectrum of response of our field around of our staff around the world?
3: Fantastic! This has been surprising. It starts with baby steps, and I think that wonderful experience comes from Venezuela, where against all odds, they overcame the difficulties. Um, in terms of equipment and and connection. And they started actually with WhatsApp. And I received the lessons that they prepared and how they interacted with brief messages and how the Lord has used the little that's done in obedience to his calling.
1: What's a a story from Venezuela? Can you think of any stories?
3: Uh, Yes. In Venezuela, we have... um, a missionary, uh, Silmar, who has been seriously ill. And you would think that she could give up, that she could just rest and she is in a condition that it's hard for her even to hold a cell phone in her hand. Hmm. So serious is her condition. However, she didn't give up. And as much as she can to communicate with people to do the work, she has done it and the Lord has multiplied. The result has been some, something that they have done is parties on the streets. They feed children, they bring them together on the streets where they can meet people and they demonstrate God's love to those who are passing by. And they also have a, a little school that's surviving under difficult circumstances called Arco de Triunfo, mm-hmm. where children are uh, receiving good Education and also two
1: meals a day. Wow. Hmm. So. Uh, that's not on the street. The, the two meals a day are in the school, in the, right. the school yes. of Arco Tri- Triumphal. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay.
4: Good. So, Ellie, what's the, what's the main focus of the Samaritan strategy? You know, these schools which are wonderful and, and essential, um, but are they more the, uh, the fruit? Of the teaching rather than you know go out and build a school is it is it to tell me a little bit more about how the Samaritan strategy works from uh, from being taught and uh, to, to actually producing fruit
3: we have a motto which is to establish new Samaritan strategy teams in new areas but with that we see ourselves actually as a school of discipleship and We work in terms of um, helping people make the transition from a culture that keeps them inactive to a new culture, a paradigm shift, a culture in which they are going to be, as we say, the hands and feet of Jesus. And this change starts in the lives of those who participate in the program. And this is fascinating to see because these are people with a heart for their communities and they come first because they are concerned with their communities but they are the first ones who learn how to do uh, to demonstrate god's love with their family members they learn how to do chores they learn how to be good neighbors and they learn how to be this living letter that can be read by the world
4: wonderful wonderful so so you spoke of discipleship, um, so is that is that the same as evangelism?:
3: We see the process of evangelism, discipleship, as a seamless process, mm. where the ongoing activity is to encourage people to walk closer to Jesus and be like him. Here we are talking about this paradigm shift from the concept of evangelizing first and then make disciples later, if ever. (laughs) What we actually do is to facilitate situations where the Holy Spirit works on people's hearts, and they turn their lives to Jesus. This doesn't depend on a formula or on our ability to say something or that we can say this person is in, that person is out. This is up to God. And we are free from the control and the judgment, while by all means we are committed to communicate the gospel as living letters read by all, as good neighbors, or as Christ's ambassadors. So,
1: yeah. For those of you who are listening, you're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories, and um, and we have a weekly broadcast where we invite people to come and share their stories of how they are being the bridge of love, how they are being the hands and feet of Jesus to those who otherwise wouldn't encounter him. Um, in so many times in our evangelical tradition, we think that the primary way to communicate the love of God to those who don't know him is by proclamation. But many people in our cultures, not only in the West, but all over the world have heard the gospel. And they haven't responded because they don't really have a context which helps them to understand what the words mean. But when they actually see what Jesus is like through the lives of those who demonstrate his love, those who are bridges of love, those who are the hands and feet of Jesus, they begin to encounter him, to know what he's like, and are like the the 12... Uh, Disciples who were not born again when they began to follow Jesus. But they, he was interesting, and they followed him. And because of what they saw, they wanted to get to know him more. And when they discovered who he really was, then they became followers, true followers. And Ellie, I really liked what you said uh, in your definition of discipleship. It wasn't exactly this, but but you used the phrase, becoming like Jesus. And I, I think that discipleship is not so much a matter of content of what we know and what we don't know, but it's being like him. And that's the, I think that's the primary vision of and focus of what genuine biblical discipleship is like. And as Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, they observed what he was like. And they increasingly became like him. And we saw that, um, in the book of Acts where people looked at the disciples and they said, they must, they must have been with him. Why did they think that they had been with him? Because they looked like him. They talked like him. They acted like him. So, Clayton, as a, as a pastor, I, I have a question for you. What do you think is the connection between the essential nature of the connection between proclamation and demonstration
2: Well demonstration of God's love to the broken world are messages that communicate without word or words but are eloquent and powerful This is this is very important and also, Bob, we when we remember Jesus asking or Peter asking Jesus to walk under the water, when we remember that situation, is something very connected with um, technology today. We can show we can show ways to communicate using technology. As a demonstration, for example, my nephews and nieces are ready to help me with um, something simple that technology use um, is a blessing for us and and help me to to do something before to to say something yesterday or when we talk about um, Proclamation and Demonstration, we remember the story when Jesus changed water into wine in a wedding. We have an example about the power of demonstration over proclamation. We have no records that Jesus preached a sermon in that occasion. However, he was recognized as one to be obeyed the Lord.
4: Well, Wonderful, Ellie. Could you tell us? Um, you know, you spoke earlier about paradigm shifts. Um, so, could you tell us a little bit about that? Give us some examples. You know, i.e., uh, people who uh, are being touched by the Holy Spirit. You know, and so from being one person into journeying into the next. Could you? Could you? Could you speak a little bit more about that? Because, you know, often in our lives and. Um, but also people are listening. They might be like, well, I'd love to be like Jesus. You know, it sounds wonderful, uh, but I just have not got it. You know, I'm, I'm, I i haven't got what it takes. I can't pull myself up by the bootstraps. I've tried. So, so can you tell us a little bit more about this paradigm shift and, and uh, the results that you've seen from it?
3: It's, it's a process that starts slowly, but it's efficient. We have seen that uh, our teachings become alive. The Lord shows up even in our training sessions, and it's fascinating um, when we see that he provides circumstances in which people learn by experiencing something new right there. For example, in India, a fascinating uh, story that we have is that um, Prakash was teaching and uh, in a In a regular session and um, a lesson so about seed project planning and reporting, which can sound very technical in details with forms and boxes to fill out. but suddenly, while he was explaining all that, there was a blackout, and some participants were in the dark with their cell phones on. This led to the discussion about the need of solar lamps in that community, especially to allow children to study. And this prompted them to think about a seed project to provide solar lamps to needy families. They collected funds and purchased 11 solar lamps for distribution. So the Holy Spirit intervenes. And when we say that the teachings are very dynamic, we have examples like this, that... uh, it becomes alive, and God is right there showing them that what needs to be done is in the reach of their hands and feet.
4: And that comes through the discipleship training as well. Obviously, the Spirit alone is doing it, but but just you know the, the fears that come through us without the Holy Spirit. is like, you know, I want to do God's work, and I, I want to strive and, and to make Him happy, but I want to do it my way. You know, and I want to do it on safe terms, you know, and and I want to do it on my timing. And I'm not doing that bit, but I might do that bit. And so but you your your face is is just a light. You know, you're glowing. You know, your eyes are sort of speaking faster than your mouth is, you know, just this joy that that that's inside of you. So has Ellie always been that way?
3: (laughs) I think so. Okay. Yes I was born with this was created <laughs> at by my mother. I was just born, and Mother said, "You belong to God, God bless you
4: Wow man wow man Bob
1: amen yeah um Clayton and Ellie, you guys are involved in in training. How are you personally? Give us some examples of how you personally are being the hands and feet of Jesus.
2: Well, let, me share, let me share one story, about For example, in Brazil, a group in the northeast, the area where I was born, taught mawai thai classes for kids using kingdom values to talk about discipline and respect for one another. Mm so efficient and so important that press us in the good sense to keep going valuing the opportunity to share and teach in all occasions. Amen. Amen.
1: I, I want to encourage those of us who are listening to use the examples that we've heard today to ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, how today can we be a bridge of love? How can we be a kingdom person? And not so that we can tell stories, but so that people will see our lives and be drawn to Jesus. And if you have stories that you would love to share with us, we would love to hear you can go to Harvest website, www.harvestfoundation.org, and go to the area of contacts. And in those contacts, in that contact space, tell us your story. We'd love to hear it and perhaps to even share it on the air
0: on one of these programs. In 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy. In beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.